Hello and welcome to the Pants Party After Party. I am your host, Harrison Starr, joined as always by Ben Ross. Ben, how are you doing? These Hawks, man, you know, I just want to lead with, I've, you know, I'll just say it. I enrolled in the University of Iowa in the fall of 2010. And so let's say I've been an Iowa fan really for 10 years because I grew up in Minnesota, grew up kind of rooting for the Gophers, not because I wanted to, but I was forced to for family reasons. This is the second time my Iowa Hawkeyes have beaten Wisconsin Badgers. And, you know, I was at John Barleycorn in Chicago the year 2015 when we were able to beat Wisconsin, I believe. I think I bring a record to 8-0 when when that game happened. Maybe it was 9-0. I can't totally remember. Um, This doesn't feel quite as good, but it is is up there with one of the most satisfying Iowa football wins I can remember ever. Yeah, I I think the rarity of it speaks to that. I would like for... Wisconsin wins not to feel so joyous but hey I think I I ran some of the numbers like this is the first time I was scored like 28 points in since 2010 when they scored 30 I believe is what it is um even that 2015 game was just a nightmare offensively um it required uh a lot to go right um defense forced like four turnovers here I mean Iowa kind of played them straight up in the same way that Iowa played Illinois last week, Ben, but they were able to get the turnovers. Uh, The defense came through in a big, big way. Um, And really, other than a first half, which made me want to peel my skin off, it made me want to send the tape to the depths of hell. That's how brutal that first half was. Uh, The second half, man, I mean, gosh, hard to imagine it going – any better, even though there were clearly ways that it could have gone better. I like you, like you said, the defense, you know, this was a classic Iowa defensive performance. If you, I, I know there's no James White. I don't know. There's no Monty ball. I know there's no Jonathan Taylor, but I don't care if you hold Wisconsin to under a hundred yards, let alone under 60 yards rushing at all. Like that's a, that's a goddamn win. This is, you know, it's nothing short of an extraordinary. I think, you know, obviously, they don't have the, the horses that Wisconsin normally has, but you just have to take this. And it, it was truly, you know, I hate to say coming out party because it's more or less the last game of the year for this whole right. team, but it, it was really like shut up and listen to us sort of feeling from, uh, I guess not even the, just the defense and like Phil Parker, but like sort of from the whole Iowa team, everybody had flashy plays and you sort of had to swim through the muck to see them, but they were there. You know, the the box score nerds won't get the satisfaction that you and I, Harrison, would get out of this full, fully figured game. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe part of it is just having to live through that first half because it. I, this is the second time I mentioned it, and I said I wasn't going to mention it at all. But the fact that it was two coaches who were staring at each other who looked like they didn't even – neither one wanted to entertain an offensive game and Iowa felt lucky somehow to have six points because they doinked in a field goal uh bless up to the gods of Kinnick for letting that happen um and, and then the second half you know Iowa's defense gives up the longest drive I think it was of uh the game to Wisconsin 
which is hilarious because it was, I'm pulling it up, 46 yards. And yes, that was their longest drive of the game, uh, a missed field goal. And, you know, Iowa came immediately back and hit on a couple big plays to Amir Smith-Marseille. And like, player of the game, game ball, like game life goes to, or the... The life ball goes to Amir Smith-Marset. I mean, he he made a horrible mistake in the beginning of the season, rectified it, comes out, plays his best game as a wide receiver, seven yards, 140, uh, or seven receptions, 140 yards, two touchdowns, and just in classic Amir Smith-Marset fashion, flips into the end zone, and like, hopefully it's something that he can recover from quickly because he's in a boot on his ankle and immediately came up lame. It's just like, my gosh, this guy, you, you just, he's hes the classic, like, kitchen table guy where he brings everything, but he takes something away. Like, ah, oh, we're, we're eating this meal without forks now. Um, but <laughs> uh, you, you live with it because he brings so much to it. He brings the macaroni and cheese. He brings, um, you know, he, he brings the beverages. Uh, he brings great conversation. But you have to eat with uh, spoons and knives uh, instead, which, you know what, it's a good story in the end. And, and hopefully, like, seriously, it, it looked immediately bad. Um, but hopefully I know, he, he, crazy. he grabbed right away before he could even hit the ground. It looked like he grabbed his right ankle. And, like, he came out of the locker room, he came out of the tunnel in a boot, smiling, laughing. You know who's not smiling and laughing when he saw you come out in a boot? I can tell you who, buddy. <laughs> Literally everybody in the coaching staff. Um, like, thank God. Thank, are they, do they play next week or in two weeks? It, it would be next week. So, okay, I mean, I guess well, that, yeah. Well, we'll find out on Monday or Tuesday what his surgery or what his, excuse me, God, his injury is. Hopefully it doesn't require any sort of surgery. And luckily it happened when the game, like, it happened to seal the deal. Or, you know, not quite seal the deal, but put the game slight, you know, more out of reach. Luckily, you know, he wasn't needed for us of the game. Because think about how disastrous that would have been if we were left without Amir Smith-Marset in a close game in the final, what, seven minutes of the game? Um so they just have to feel lucky that it wasn't as consequential as, you know, maybe it should have been. It reminded me of not the same situation, but Ted Ginn Jr. running back the touchdown off of a kickoff against Florida in the 2006 national championship game, I want to say. And then he broke his leg celebrating. Uh, you know, slightly different, slightly different stakes. Uh, but oh yeah, much. That, that's what I. That's sort of what I'm going back to. You know, hurting yourself. Yeah, I mean, nobody is a bigger fan of Tyler Goodson than Amir Smith Marset today, and you have to love that. You just do. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, Goodson. He, other than his 80 yard run, had a, a pretty average day. But really, it felt like on the fingertips for him a lot of today. Uh, he was kind of making guys miss. He was getting in space a little bit, but not um, really breaking that huge play. And yeah, uh, to your point, uh, Smith Marset, or excuse me, Tyler Goodson made it a, a twenty-eight to seven game uh, just after Iowa intercepted um, uh, Graham Mertz. You know, previously goat quarterback after playing at Illinois once. Um, 
Man, like I mean, it's just yeah. Me what too. a roller coaster that was! What what a roller coaster that was! Because Iowa went from a touchdown up twenty one, the Smith Marset play, to giving up uh, a long drive, um, but coming through on fourth down. Even though like uh, Dane Belton got planted uh, on a screenplay, and then man, special teams. I, I don't know if we really want to go into it much right now, but that special teams performance was a roller coaster. Why does this always happen against Wisconsin? I want to know. It's like they, they, they're great 11 games out of the year in a normal season. Special teams, great 11, 12 games. But when it's Wisconsin, it's like everyone, their their brains turn to mush. Uh, I don't necessarily blame Tory Taylor. Uh, he's learning the game. Not at all. <laughs> but my goodness. I, I have played, I've played more consequential minutes of football than Tory Taylor has. Which just tells you something. I don't know. We can define consequential minutes later. I guess. Um, I don't want to now. But that was like the most one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in my entire life, honestly. And it's like, oh yes, we got six points from Keith Duncan, and they at the time they were pivotal, and you always take those. And Taylor Taylor's box score. I don't does he? I don't know if he even gets he gets the fumble in the box score. I'm not even sure. I think he does. I mean, outside of that. Uh, um, but for I mean, Taylor, it's nothing. It's a penalty um, okay. and lost it down. It's a penalty, and then Charlie Jones had his really only mistake of the whole year. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think somebody predicted, maybe it was even me, he would have a great game. He might have a punt return for a touchdown or a punt return that sets up a touchdown. And he, uh, at the time, it was a disastrous mistake. And luckily, you know, in Philly, trust put the clamps on, and that's all she wrote. Yeah, it really was all she wrote. Um, I had this in my Ponks column um, because, like, I I wanted to bet Iowa because it just felt like if Iowa's not going to beat Wisconsin in this year, then they're never going to beat Wisconsin. And um, here's here are the reasons why. First, I said turnovers. Second, I said special teams. Specifically... People forget Kyle Gronawig fumbled a punt return the last time these two faced off in Kinnick, and Charlie Jones is no Kyle Gronawig. My dogs hate that point, so I'll go ahead and mute and, and, and let you take it away from there. Okay, well, I've got some dogs over here too. <laughs> uh, they're socially distant dogs. But, it, God, if come on, you brought Kyle Gronawig into this freaking podcast here after this win. Like, I could not pull that game out of a hat or pull that name out of a hat, rather. Um, you know, what name I can pull out of a hat though is, you know, Davion Nixon, Chauncey Golston, Ben Neiman, all of them. Uh, Kayvon Merriweather without a doubt had his best game as an Iowa Hawkeye. Um, you know, Dane Belton getting, being able to get up after that decleating. Uh, you know, I'm giving, if Iowa gave sticker helmets, you give 30 to every single player on the field today, you know, the offensive line. Uh, I think played through some adversity, through some interesting play calling, but they gave Petrus mm-hmm. some great, great protection. Honestly, you know his stat line. You're going to look at 14 to 25, and that's not great. You know, I'm going to chalk up five of those incompletions to weather and drops. So, yeah. like, honestly, he and he still had two touchdowns. Uh, you look at the end of the day; he's close to. 14 or 25 isn't even horrible for Petrus if we're in perfect weather. <laughs> yeah. If we're, if we're, if right, it, right out of season. Yep. If, if, if this podcast is a few weeks ago. So I think, you know, the first half was obviously really shaky just because I think from an optics 
standpoint, Iowa couldn't do a goddamn thing on offense. And I think you have to give the coaching staff credit for making the adjustments they did in the second half because it was really a tale of two halves. It was night and day uh, between how much – really, I mean, Iowa's coaching staff outclassed Wisconsin for the first time ever and that I can remember because, you know, the 2015 win wasn't an outclass. Out, out Honestly, if we're going to be honest, it was because uh, Wisconsin center stepped on who was their quarterback at the time, Stave's foot. Was it Stave? Yep. Like, yeah, it was, reason, if we're going to be honest, yeah. if that's, if we're going to be honest, that's the reason I won that game is because their center stepped on Stave's foot on fourth down. And this wasn't that. This was Brian Farron stepping on uh, Jim Leonard's neck in the second, for the final 30 minutes. Yeah, like I mean, I think what guided the the Petrus sentiment as much as anything was that just truly wretched throw on third and uh, third and one to no one. Um, but like, I mean, he's not like a, it, he only wins quarterback because he. This isn't a Ricky Stanzi situation where um, Iowa was like consistently down in the second half and had to come from behind and oh. Ricky threw his pick six. Now he's ready to rock and roll. Um, no, this was, he's been a below average to above average quarterback with an, a very good team around him. And it does make you wonder, like six and two, it's a hell of a season. Um, we talked about it on, on uh, the, the pod earlier this week, getting eight games in huge win. Um, feels like, you know, now that we're six and two, it's a just great place to be, um, probably playing Indiana, um, but we'll see. And 28-7 to 7 against Wisconsin, I think the last time that ever happened, um, it might have been like uh, 2004, uh, a game I believe I was at. And um, I wasn't even, I wasn't born yet. I think I went down on the field because like it, it was that big of a win. And, you know, if, if fans had been allowed, this is probably, for better or for worse, a field storming. Um, because, you know, when, when you do that to a, a, a rival, you you enjoy it as much as you can. My first ever game attended as an Iowa student was 2010, Iowa-Wisconsin. The fake punt on 4th and 16. Total forever, you know? I, especially as a Minnesota <laughs> Especially as Minnesota, I don't, need any, I don't need any extra reason to hate Wisconsin for any reason, you know, for – I don't need any excuse to hate Wisconsin. And it finally feels so freaking good to beat the Badgers. I don't care if it's the COVID year. I don't care that they that their backfield is the worst it's ever been. I don't care if Graham Burtz is a pumpkin and not Cinderella. A win's a win. And for the, for the second time in 10 years, we've beaten Wisconsin. How insane is that? It's insane, Ben. It's insane. Uh, I really don't have much more to add um, other than, you know, enjoy it. Like, I mean, six and two, only two other team, one other team, two other teams in the conference have six wins, Indiana and Northwestern. Uh, wh- whether that makes yeah. Iowa in, in the class, class of, you know, Ohio, the class of four, Iowa's in it. Um we'll see where the chips fall going forward. Hopefully Amir Smith-Marset's ready to go because he, after a season of being quiet, he had his best game. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens because that was was a heck of a game. And, uh, you know, 
I can speak for myself. I was a doubter. Uh, I didn't think we would necessarily be at six and two, but we are, and it's it's fun. Like it, there's there's no doubt about it. So Ben, uh, any closing thoughts? <clears throat> Fuck Wisconsin. I don't. What, is there like a hate on Wisconsin? Better dead than red. That's what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Better dead than red. Both Wisconsin red and Iowa State red. We'll we'll be talking about basketball um, when when we rejoin for the full podcast. So for Ben Ross, I am Harrison Starr. Go Hawks. Hawkeye State always. Always. <laughs>